Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast or on iTunes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This House of Cards podcast, an unofficial podcast for the Netflix hit show House of Cards. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with Chris Husted, co-host. What's up, party people? How's it going this evening, buddy? Pretty good. How are you doing? Winter storm's coming your way. Yep, there's a winter storm heading my way. Um, I just had dinner not too long ago, so I'm actually drinking some red wine this evening. What are you drinking? I am drinking some red wine as well. Well, some Merlot, and it's delicious. It's a good evening for it. <clears throat> Cold outside, a little bit snowy. I do apologize for um, <clears throat> my voice a little bit. I'm a little bit sick, and so you'll have to uh, endure. What are you sick with? Sick with it? I just am... Have the crew cold? I don't know. <laughs> Shit in my throat. But, let's, enough of that, let's jump right into the episode, because <laughs> there's so much good stuff to talk about, and I don't even know where to begin, except maybe the beginning. Um, so tell me, what did you, just overall, quick impressions of this episode. Um, that's hard. I, I, I think we get, uh, I think we get a little more of what we've been seeing, which is Frank taking people out on his way to constructing his his whole dynamic uh or his house of cards uh in 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 Washington but um there's a lot of people that have to sacrifice their own dreams for him in this um i mean mm-hmm. we got our we visit three other characters besides Frank in this and see what the the consequences are, or the repercussions, really, of his drive and ambition, um, and the effects that they have uh, that it has on his uh, peripheral people in his life, like his wife and Zoe and uh, Russo. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> so we talked about how we wanted to finally see Frank kind of run into a little bit of a some obstacles because he seems to have gone up, you know, just climbed the ladder so smoothly so far. His house of cards has been. I mean, he hasn't really faced any serious obstacles yet. Um, I don't know if we really saw too much more of that, although we have finally kind of seen the first real conflict between him and Claire. So that was interesting. Um, first of all, I mean, who we kind of had talked about, there being some tension there potentially, and her being maybe one of his only equals as far as the nemesis goes. Um, another thing I want to say is I enjoy getting to more of the Russo backstory, kind of learning about, like, I felt like, I feel like every episode he's becoming more of a... F- rounded character and i'm liking him more. i agree he's the best written character so far i think because he has so many layers and he's got depth and you really feel for him and he's just he can't get out of his own way him and frank he's a good I character think, yeah and i would i'm just gonna go ahead and say i am not liking the zoe storyline at all so far <laughs> what do you not I, like about it uh, i don't know i just was not a fan of it i feel like it's very contrived and kind of cliche right now um, maybe it won't feel that way as we continue. Like some of the stuff, her lines, whoever's writing her lines or wrote her lines, I feel like are like, you know, just took like a journalism one-on-one class and it's just being like, when you text the, or when you tweet these days or whatever, you're talking, you're not just talking to one person, you're talking to a thousand or whatever. It's just like very cliched lines. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll we'll go into more of that later. Yeah. It's, it's true, but it's just like, hit us over the that head. Was, that was such a writerly way of saying that. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll go into it. We'll go into it. We, we're totally jumping ahead. <laughs> All right, I know. So we're just, okay, enough with the overviews. Let's go ahead and jump right into the episode. So we open, again, kind of right in the fray of everything with Frank and Bob Birch, who is the Speaker of the House for the Democrats, and also kind of pretty much Frank's boss, I guess you would say, the equivalent of John Boehner. Um, and he, Frank's kind of Exactly the equivalent of John Boehner, except yeah, a Democrat. Exactly. And Frank is kind of mediating between Bob on the one hand, so the Speaker of the House on the one hand, and Linda on the other hand, who is uh, joint or the Chief of Staff, right? Pretty much. I believe so, yeah. Yes. And so he's kind of mediating, who pretty much is speaking for the President. So he's kind of mediating between basically the President and Speaker of the House, which, well, that's pretty relevant to today's standard. But but this time they're actually part of the same party and they're having issues and they can't get along. They're arguing over this collective bargaining thing. And Frank is here as the mediator trying to kind of play both sides. And you see this scene in which um, Bob is peeing in the urinal and he has some pretty good lines about how Linda can shut the door on his manhood. And he likes yeah, to see Bob shrivel. Bob, yeah, apparently Bob has a big wiener. Because he just lets it hang out for Frank. They make that clear. He's trying to make a power move. But Frank uh, wields Linda's ex- kind of executive power, the executive power of the president over him a little bit. And thus, Bill get, or Bob gets pissed and says he's not going to push this education bill forward. So Frank knows that he needs to find someone who will get the bill on the floor. The education bill that he's been working on for the past few episodes and that he took from Donald and all that kind of stuff. So... We see Frank with the president for the first time. I thought this was interesting. This is actually the first time we see really the president. All, any, I mean, any thoughts about the president? Uh, he was, you know, he wanted to kill the collective bargaining thing. He listened to Frank. Frank said he could do it. President said, okay. I don't know. It was very, very short interaction between the two. He seemed to care enough. But he, I don't know, I, I, it, it was hard to gauge who he is as a character in this show, because he only had a few lines. A pretty flat character thus far, I would agree with that. And um, we Which see... is fun, because I'm kind of happy to see a show not about the president, really, but about the, you know, the other people. Right, exactly. And um, so, you know, he says he, he will strike the collective bargaining, or bargaining, but Frank says, no, that'll make you appear weak. So he's kind of, pl- like, turning Linda's you know, what he talked about with Linda around back on her because he doesn't like that she's trying to steal his idea. So once again, we kind of see him. He's not going to let anybody get a foot ahead of him, basically, on the way to the top. He's he's going to cut everyone down if he has to, but in a very gentlemanly, smooth way. Um, and we see him really working that bill for the rest of the episode. On the other hand, let's go to the Zoe storyline. We have Tom is on the phone with the owner of the Herald. Is that right? The Herald, yeah. And he's saying that he was pissed because Zoe went on TV, which we saw she wasn't supposed to do last episode. And she Eight did it times. Because Frank told her to. Yes. So she's really uh, been all over the place. And he wants to fire her for disobedience. But the owner of the newspaper likes Zoe and says, we are not. We don't want followers. We want rule breakers. They get the stories. And so she gives like this analogy, the storm room analogy. It's kind of catty dorm room analogy and... Zoe right. wins and he's going to promote her, basically. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> Zoe's celebrity will help them, you know, as the owner or publisher says, will cut through the noise because, you know, uh, a newspaper trying to survive in a 24-hour news uh, world is going to be really difficult uh, to keep 
to keep up with, with the competition of, of online and TV. So they have to, you know, she sees it, I'm, I'm guessing, as, as, a, as a plus to help them survive. So do you kind of think that Tom, the editor, is kind of, out, you know, his ideas are outdated and he's kind of needs to catch up with the times a little bit? No, I, I think the that Tom is probably right in the sense that she is ungrateful and she didn't, she needs to pay her dues. Like most people do. She kind of, and as her, her, the other guy that was her buddy, that's the editor that she bounces idea, her, this new position she's offered off of him. You know, he says, you missed a few rungs on the ladder. I would have killed for that job at your stage. So she, I think, I think that they're right in the newsroom that she's way too big for her britches. But then again, the publisher is right too. The fact that there's somewhat of a celebrity status that's going to help their newspaper and and their, I'm maybe not their circulation, but at least their their image and popularity. There's, there's certainly two sides for it, but I, I like Zoe is acting like a little bit of a hot shot, and all she really got is lucky with one good source that's been leaking her everything. And so I don't know. I think she is far, definitely too too big for her britches. But I, I mean, there are two sides clearly. And so you know, Tom tells her he wants to promote her to White House correspondent. Janine is going to move to the Midwest bureau chief, which is a promotion, but basically it's just getting her out of the way and sent away. I mean, no offense to the Midwest. We're right. I was here right feel now. bad because I have a Midwest uh, bureau chief for any stuff I filed to NPR, and <laughs> I, I didn't realize that it was, it was well. I don't know. Maybe it is a good thing for some people. Depends. But they make it sound really bad here. They do. It depends what your goals are, I guess. But Janine, it sounds like it's been a White House correspondent for forever. Um, but Zoe needs to think it over, which Tom is kind of pissed about. Which I automatically thought she's going to go market herself around and try to get a better job. Mm-hmm. At I, a different station, a bigger station. I immediately... Paper. Yeah. And I and I figured she was going to go talk to Frank about it, because he seems to be... Now that he gave her the TV advice, he's going to be her consultant for everything now. Um. So let's talk about Remy here. We see a little bit of him. He comes into Claire's office, and we see them interact for the first time, and we finally kind of get a little bit more of this picture about what the charity was going on. And we see that that there was a correlation there, that the money Remy and Sancorp were going to donate was going to go to Claire's charity. And that's why they they had to fire so many people, because that money they expected to come in did not come in. Uh, but now he's offering to double the donation, which we assume because Frank was able to secure... Was it Kathy? Kathy Rigby, I think. Yeah. Was it Rigby? Yeah. Yeah. He was As able, Secretary of State. Yeah, so he was able to get a Secretary of State that is on Frank's and Sancorp's side. And so now that's secure, they're willing to do the deal again and double the donation. Um, we also see a little bit of chemistry here between Remy and Jillian. So I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to come up later on. That was very distinct, too. Yeah, yeah. I like that they don't hit you too hard over the head with it. They did a good job with being with a light touch on certain subjects, I think in this episode. And that was one, I mean, obviously we get it. We don't need to see a wink or, you know, a butt checkout, but just, just the hint of flirtation or uh, attraction was there. And that was perfect. And you saw Claire kind of give that, um, the once over their look. Yeah. 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 She, she definitely gave the, she looked him up, uh, up and down and size that situation up pretty quickly. Oh, she sure did. She's smart. Um, Claire's savvy, so we know she's gonna, you know, she's gonna go bring this to Frank and see what's going on. And basically, Frank tells Claire not to take the money because he thinks Remy wants something, which I guess we don't really know. Remy could be being authentic, but it may, I mean, Frank just doesn't want anyone to be in a position of power over him. Right, and in politics, that's a safe assumption, especially right, although, with their history. Though he was willing to take it before, it sounded like if he had gotten the Secretary of State position, but maybe because he would have been in a bigger position of power then. 
Or maybe now he's pissed that they took it off the table in the first place. And so it's kind of a revenge a little bit. I don't know. What do you think? I think because he doesn't have the Secretary of State position, that he doesn't have the power to be somewhat free of their uh, uh, control. But mm-hmm. as still as, as House Whip, he would still be under their control. So it, it would still tie him down. I agree. Um, but Claire wants to take the money. But even more than that, she doesn't want to be told by Frank what to do. Um, she I think she decide for herself. Yeah, she sees them as a team, and I think she really resents him for kind of not because you know she says you're not asking, you're telling, and I think she really kind of resents him for that um, because she sees them as equals, and we've kind of seen them as equals going forward too. Now let's talk about a little bit about um, Rousseau, who has kids. Who would have thought? Um, we learned for the first time he's. I guess ex-wife is going out of town. And so he's got uh, kids for the weekend. And, um, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I just was going to say, did that surprise you? Because it really surprised me. I kind of thought he was going to be the eternal bachelor. But I guess he seems kind of reckless that maybe he would have had a broken marriage along the way. Yeah, I, I wasn't too surprised. So many people are divorced and have kids these days that, you know, it, 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 I didn't assume either way but it when it happened when it when we learned this it did it made sense it was fine to me mm, right um so we meet this uh the majority leader who would be the equivalent of um Eric Cantor I guess in the house and um so who would be the number two to the speaker who is uh Bob Birch as we learned and it's this David Rasmussen and Frank kind of comes up to him in the cafeteria and basically uh, throws this this plan of a hostile takeover on him about trying to pit or trying to take down Birch, and including with Republicans to get this education bill down and how Birch could be Speaker of the House basically and how they could take Birch down. But Birch is a member of the herd, not a shepherd, as Frank puts very bluntly, and so basically. We see Rasmussen kind of seal his fate. He shouldn't have... I mean... I thought he said he, he was either a wolf or a sheep. That's right. Oh, sorry. A wolf or a sheep. Not a shepherd or a sheep. <laughs> Shepherd's guy. The wolf eats the sheep. The shepherd guides the sheep. I guess right. that makes sense. Right. Because when he just when he backs out, he's like, I guess he's not a wolf. Or no, I guess he's going to the herd. Yeah. And Frank is most certainly a wolf. And I think we learned Bob Birch is certainly a wolf, too. And so is well, almost all the other politicians except Rasmussen are a wolf. And in this kind of environment, you just can't be a sheep. You can't be a part of the herd. In the meantime, we see Frank has sent um, Claire a framed picture of himself and her on election night that says, you don't need Sancorp, you have me. Because Jillian wants this money to do an Africa project, like $200,000, a lot of money that they could really use from Remy. And immediately... um, Claire calls the photographer that we had talked about in the past, the one who did the fancy photographs and stuff like that. That um, I could tell. I mean, could you? Uh, you kind of tell something was up right there. Did you get? Yeah, a, that, I mean, of course, that was a stupid gift to give her. You know, why, that's that's not going to make this a better uh, situation for her and solve her money problems with her company. Right. Well, she even said later says later, you know, that was kind of heavy handed. Basically, you know, what she wanted was for them to be more equals, not for him to punch that point even more you know she needed to humble he needed to humble himself in front of her a little bit i think so she's calling the photographer to get 
photos for the gala. I have air quotation marks going right here. Um, in the meantime, so, oh, I do want to say Doug is the name of Frank Staffer. We've been wondering what the guy's name is. We just keep calling him the Staffer. His name is Doug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we see Frank and Doug kind of playing with the yes and no votes for the bill, and they kind of have this cool, huge chart where they're, like, moving all the names around into the yes and no column, trying to figure out who's going to vote which way. And what they determine is they need someone who's going to bring multiple votes. So they find Womack, who is a leader of the Black Caucus, and they say that he can bring, what, 11 votes with him? As leader of the Black Caucus. So 10 or 11, I think, yeah. Right. Because there's 13 total, but he's like, I can get 10, right. maybe 11. So they need to give him something more. So they're going to decide, but they... So there's an Air Force base in, in Womack's district that's going to be shut down, and a bunch of jobs are going to be lost. So they want to save their, the district, but they need to, you know, you can't just... Where's the money going to come from to save that base? You, the only way they can do it is by closing a different base. Well, who are they going to do that to? Russo. Russo. Yeah, they're going to screw Russo over because they, they say they own him. Right. I, I, I did like the way they visually do that where they've got the little magnets on the board and they're putting people in different columns and they have all 400 and I forget how many people are actually in Congress or in, in the House, but 400 something. And uh, they pull Russo's name, and you know, I don't know. Inside me, I kind of cringed a little. I was like, "Oh no, man! That this this guy's already gone through so much." Uh, and he seemed, as of last episode, to be kind of trying to turn over, you know, somewhat of a new leaf. He's trying he to be trying a better to, yeah. boyfriend, uh, at least to Christina, I believe her name is. I think, yeah, girlfriend slash colleague or co or assistant. And um, and we just learned that he's a dad, and he's he, you know he's stepping in and taking care of the kids like he should as a father. But you know, so I, I don't know. I was feeling for the guy at this point, and then I, I think you're about to talk about this. But Frank uh, shows up at his place, right? Well, first I want to say so. Frank has the magnet. He literally has Rousseau in his palm, the magnet in his palm when he's showing it to Doug. But then yeah, we see Rousseau with kids in the apartment. And I just want to say, I don't know what the hell he made those kids, because it looked disgusting, and it was not recognizable as food. I'm not sure I what that was. I can see it, yeah. Um, but Frank shows up, and, you know, they send the kids into the other room, and Frank pretty much straight up tells Rousseau that they're going to have to shut the shipyard down. Uh, that's just how it's going to be, and... Rousseau says, this is what got me elected. I can't do that. And Frank pretty much threatens him and says, you'll do whatever the hell I say you will. And you are not going to testify at that hearing, any testimony to make sure that, you know, it doesn't get closed or whatever. It's crazy, too, because for Rousseau's, like, obviously, like you said, he he won his election in the Congress based on this shipyard that he's going to try to save. And it's 12,000 jobs there versus the 3,000 at uh, the other military base that uh, Womack is trying to or is going to shut down. So that's a you know a displacement of nine thousand jobs there. And I also want to point out that we see kind of we wondered in the last episode like why was Rousseau a politician and here we kind of see him for the first time passionate about politics. You know, passionate about helping his hometown people and really, I mean, in this episode actually really gets disturbed by it. And so I mean, you kind of, I, he is the best character right now. He's he's getting fleshed out. We're learning a lot about him. I can't say that about Claire. I can't say that about Zoe. I can't even really say that too much about Frank, except for last episode when we went home and got to know him a little bit that way. This is kind right. of just more run of the mill for all the characters besides Rus Russo. 
It's true. They keep wanting to call him Rousseau, Rousseau. Like Rousseau, like um, lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the yeah. French version. All right. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Uh, and then, you know, obviously as Frank leaves, he makes this kind of sarcastic comment about family values. Now, when you sleep with a hooker, you're going to get hit with hypocrisy if you try to do it, you know. That's going to be wielded over you. And so, you know, even though Rousseau's trying to turn a new leaf, he cannot turn a blind shoulder to his past, basically. But he, you could see him wrestling with it. He's like, I, I, you know, when he looks at his kids that night after Frank leaves, you know, what kind of man does he want to be? Yeah, that's a tough uh, struggle for him uh, as a character this in this series or this season. Mm. Exactly. Um. So Claire's going to go out to see or going to see the photographer the next day. And so she's, you know, trying looking at the white dress versus the black dress in the mirror. Kind of like the innocent dress or the sexy seductive dress. I know that was a little overt, but also fun. And Frank tells her to go with the black dress. It's like the white dress is nicer, but the black dress will like works better. When Something he like was talking, I mean, did you could you tell when he was having this conversation like that he knew that she was trying to seduce the guy? No. The guy? I, well, I, I thought maybe he was hinting at you know obviously she she may have to flirt or something w- with this guy, but not. I obviously didn't think it was the extent of what it turned out do. to be. It turns out to be all right. And so let's just let's dive right into it. Then we see Adam, the photographer, show up and. The, there's already kind of, tension. Already, you can kind of tension. tell, like the way that she he kisses both her cheeks and stuff. You can kind of already tell there's a pass there, um, and basically, we see very quickly that they had an affair in the past, and that they want or he wants to meet her again that evening or something for dinner, and so she's going to go meet him in the hotel room. Let's just follow this to the end right now. So she goes and meets him in the hotel. And they kind of get to the brink of, you know, he orders two bottles of champagne. She's going to spend the night and everything, it seems like. Then he comes over to start kissing her, and she says, I should go. When I end something, I end it. Obviously, their past affair, which must have gone on for a while. And she leaves. Comes home to Frank, ominously smoking at the window. And she tells him that she told Remy no about the money on in the limousine on the way back. So basically, well, before and, and also I just want to mention. Then Frank basically admits to having known because he says like, "So where are you going to spend the night with me or with Adam at the right?" That that was a big reveal to me. That was in this episode when I was kind of surprised that he was well aware of this and he was aware that it could possibly continue as well. Not, I don't know if that meant like she had feelings for him, or if she was, if he was aware that she was using him for the for the artwork, for the photo- photographs. You know, it could have been either, because they both know they have to do certain things, and they, you know, they clink their glasses because they know they do things the hard way. I was gonna say Frank is shrewd; he's a shrewd man, and so he understands doing what you have to do to get what you want. You know. So I don't know that he's effectively endorsing that, but it seems like. Do you think that she actually was revisiting some feelings she had for him or that she was just playing off his love for her or I'm sorry, Adam's love for her and and her their 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 past relationship to get paintings for her gala? 
I think she did want the paintings, but I think that she was pissed at Frank for distorting, like, for kind of fucking up that equilibrium they had, where it was like they were teammates and kind of telling her not to take the money from Remy. She was kind of offended that he would tell her to do something like that, so that was like, you know, she gets so the she's picture. Like, fine, I'm going to go do this my way. Exactly. She gets the picture, and she immediately calls... Adam is like, well, this is going to be my revenge kind of thing. So I think that, like, okay. she, I don't think she actually has feelings for Adam necessarily anymore. Well, at least not those kind of feelings. Um, but I think that she was doing it to get back at Frank in her mind or something. You know what I mean? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I could see that. That that, that makes a lot more sense to me. I, I, I think we might get a hint or two of some spark that might be left just to cause drama and tension and conflict down the road in the in the season between Frank and Claire but i think it was mostly uh to get the that artwork but also i think you're right re- regarding revenge on Frank or just just to kind of you know if he's going to pull the check away from her then she's going to pull her noonie away from him yeah yeah <laughs> um and so I was also going to say, do you think we'll see more of Adam later in the series? I would, I would, I would be uh, surprised if we didn't. Yeah, it's, I mean, probably at the gala or something, he'll be around. So I would agree with that too. Um, so now Frank meets with Womack, um, the Black Caucus leader, and basically says we can get you the majority leader position because we're going to have Rasmussen take down Birch, and then so Speaker's going to fall. Majority leader becomes. Uh, speaker, and you can become majority leader, the first black majority leader, and we'll save your airbase or your airbase. And he right, he's like, "Let me put a." Che-, he says, "Let me put a cherry on top," and and says that I like that. Perfectly seals it, and then I like I love the line that he says, "I like a man who who isn't going to look a gift horse or who'll put a saddle on a gift horse instead of looking at it in the mouth." You know, I agree. He's, that he, was great. He's he has all these fun twists on like very cliched line, right. you know, lines, and so you see David walking through the halls of Congress and like these black congressmen being like, we're behind you a hundred percent. He's like, what? And and kind of looking bewildered. I thought that was, those were pretty entertaining scenes. Obviously David is kind of a weak character. And so it seems like we have this coming a little bit for him. Um, so he storms in on Frank and says, you know, it's pretty pissed that, oh, the Black Caucus thinks I'm going to make a play for Speaker of the House. But at this point, he, Frank says, you can't do anything about it because if you go and tell Birch now, everybody thinks that he's just going to think that you're wimping out at the last second. And otherwise, you know, I'll leak it to the press and the press will think that you were trying to do it anyway and you'll get pushed out no matter what, even no matter what you tell Bob. So Frank's put him in a position where because he didn't agree with Frank and didn't, you know, he went with the herd instead of was a wolf. He is going to get screwed. He's going to be the one to get screwed. Yep. Um, so once again, very smooth, shrewd planning, which, I mean, how he kind of weaves this all in in the end is, uh, I thought, pretty, pretty yeah. awesome. But It is, but it's also, to me, everything goes Frank's way. He does a little string pulling here and a little manipulation over here, and everything happens just as he wants it to. Exactly, which makes you wonder, how did he... I guess we kind of re- revisit this at the beginning. It kind of makes it that much heavier that he didn't get the Secretary of State position at the very beginning. Because it's like, he gets everything his way. So it really was, no wonder Claire was pissed off about it and that he was so pissed off about it. Because that stuff doesn't pass him up like that. He is a master spider. Every, you know, every thread in his web is very perfectly placed. Right. 
I, I feel his... This was the, the first episode that I wasn't really rooting for Frank, though. Uh, he, he lacked that charm that he had in the last episode when he was back at home. Or in the first two, when he's charming his way into certain people's hearts and getting his way that way. As opposed to straight-up manipulation by playing people against each other, going behind people's backs to uh, uh, um, set them up against each other. I agree. and But it's also it's interesting because we see him kind of... Basically, he, you know, he has tension with Claire. He clearly has tension with Rousseau, and he gets pissed at Zoe in this episode. So we kind of see him be a dick to everybody, and he that maybe that is kind of how he loses charm. Is we see his true colors a little bit more and his ego a little bit more, right? You know, he's able to cover it with kind of that smooth, smooth talking and that southern, southern accent charm. stuff here. Yeah. But he was a little bit more blunt in this episode sometimes. Um, I, I do love every once in a while when things happen his way, like they're they're planned. Uh, he'll he looks to the camera and he'll just roll his eyes. <laughs> I <laughs> like, love that. Like, of course, it's gonna fall right into my lap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so of course we see Russo's big moment where he's at the um hearing to testify to keep the airbase open. And what did you think he was gonna do? Did you think he would testify? Because he sounded like he was gonna try to, or he was. Or they showed him looking at his sleeping kids and that wrestling the night before. Did you think he was going to go through with what Frank wanted him to do, or did you think he would fight against it? I, I knew he was not going to testify, and we had talked about, like, yeah, it looked like he was rebounding the last episode, but we were like, he's for sure going to relapse. It's way There's, too soon for him to, you know, come it's way, clean. Exactly, and with the leverage Frank has over him, it's going to end, you know, it's going to screw him back up. I mean, that is exactly what happened. He knew that he couldn't let, he had to keep Frank on his side, and so he let his whole district down, and let himself down. Did you think he? What did you think? Did you think he was going to testify? I wanted him to testify, but I think I knew de- deep down it's way too soon for him to um, let concede to um, to give up. Well, it's it's too soon for him to go to become the clean guy that uh, he wants to be. He's going to have to struggle and, to get there. Exactly, and rebound fully and start standing up for himself. Yeah, he's not in a position to do that yet. And maybe he will be by the end. I mean, maybe he'll be the surprise hero against Frank or something like that. I kind of hope someone does, because Frank needs to start making some concessions of his own. Outside of not getting Secretary of State, he hasn't had to give anything up. Sure, he's had to, like, fight a few little, uh, put out a few little fires here and there, but he really hasn't had to give up much. Not much at all, no. He's had pretty much everything go his way, like we said. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just to to show this, you know, we have Frank going to Freddy's, back to the barbecue joint. And he sits down and has this conversation with Freddy about almost getting, you know, Freddy tells him about almost getting killed by a fridge while, um, that was on top of a minivan while him and his brother were driving a smoker down to some event in the south or something like that. Did you, before we go into that story, when he said, I almost got killed the other day. And Frank goes here. Did you think that was racist? Am I being hypersensitive? I, I did not notice that, but maybe it was. I mean, I mean, I, don't I, know. Just I was a little like, that. why would you assume it was here? I don't know. Maybe there's a history there, and they've had break-ins or something. But I thought that was a little weird. He's like, no, on the it highway, seem- like most people would do, <laughs> like a car accident. It does seem a little bit presumptuous, and their relationship is a little bit strange. I mean, kind of being in the, you know, obviously, the kind of life that. Frank lives extravagant life, and then you have 
Yeah. Freddy and kind of this, you know, this little rib shack with plastic on the windows and stuff, you know. I probably read too much into it, but... <laughs> but, no, well, I don't know. Um, I think there is definitely a little bit of condescension there on Frank's part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The patron is patronizing. Exactly. And Zoe calls Frank and says that she was promoted uh, to beer, or to you know White House correspondent, and he gets really pissed and says, "This changes everything. I don't. I want someone who's available all the time." Um, why do you? I mean, why did you think he was so pissed about that? That was, I mean, she was his his leaking uh, source. You know, he could give. He had control over her because she needed those stories to make something for her own career. And when she gets put on the press corps, that means she's, as she says in the show, she'll be traveling around with the press embedded. So she is going to have time to work for Frank, essentially. And there's the third person that has to give up something. Like Zoe, in any of the circumstances, if she'd been offered that job based on her own merit without him, she would have taken it like that. Um, Russo had to give up his his, his one... Um, biggest point for why he represented his district and his dignity and his dignity and then and then claire had to give up the money i mean they ought to give these things up because frank it wasn't part of frank's plan exactly exactly and he needed he, them to do a certain he things. doesn't compromise he doesn't compromise with anybody that's kind of what we learn here yeah he doesn't compromise with anybody and maybe that'll be his undoing right um, except, I guess, Doug, as a little henchman, seems to be willing to do whatever he wants. Um, yeah. I want to learn more about him eventually. He's an interesting character, too. He is interesting. Or I at um, least want to know more. But anyway, yeah, so Zoe Zoe talks to him, and he says he's pissed, and he does, he's, you know, he says, if you take it, we're done. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he hangs up the phone and says, I believe it's the fridge's job to swerve out of the out of my way. And that's kind of what we, what we were just saying. It's like, he's not going to... He is going to be a battering ram, and people better move for him. That's just his ambition. It's his power play. He's going to wield that over people, and I mean, so he's not going to compromise. Are we supposed to hate him now? I mean, you either want someone to like totally succeed, right, or you want them to fail miserably. I think that we need him to do one or the other. Now he's kind of in a gray area after this episode. At least that's how I felt. I don't know. If you felt that way, I mean, he's still endearing when he turns to the camera and does his little asides to to you. You feel like it's you're still getting like your intimate moment there and everything, you know. Um, I don't, I don't dislike him. I mean, I didn't like the way he went about doing things this episode and distancing everybody, but it was like, I don't know. I was not exactly rooting against him. I still felt like you know, I was kind of like at the end when he. Well, we'll get there in a minute. Like I was still like, oh man, that was awesome how he was able to weave that all together and get everybody, you know. To some degree. So I was not there quite yet. But maybe that's... I mean, that's an interesting dynamic, is pushing it so, like, how far can the main character push it before you start actually disliking him, you know? And we'll see as the series goes on, obviously. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about Christina showing up at Russo's place after the hearing. The kids are there. Russo is not. Has been gone for hours. Left his phone. And clearly, you, like... I immediately thought, oh, he's out on a bender. Did you kind of, I mean... I thought he was on a bender. I thought he might have even been doing something more serious, like looking to OD or to hurt himself in some way. And he kind of did. I mean, he he did, but not in a, like, a long-term way. way. Yeah. So he comes home just destroyed, and Christina was there, and it helped the kids get to bed and everything like that. And he just kind of, like, 
stumbles into the bed and collapses. Uh, like, clearly something's wrong, which she doesn't ask about. Like, okay, and so she doesn't ask about it. The next morning, she's still there. She's getting the kids to their grandma's house, their grandma, their mother's mother, it sounds like. So not Rousseau's mother. And Christina, because of this, breaks up with him and quits the job at the same time. Now, do you think that Christina should have given, I mean, was she justified in doing that? Or should she have given him more of a chance and asked him what was wrong? She did ask him what was wrong and he won't tell her. So I think as far, I mean, yeah, he probably can't tell her, but he shouldn't feel surprised. That is absolutely rightfully, like, justified. She's now, now she's acting as the kid's mom, you know, while he's being irresponsible. Sure, he got screwed up and messed up and, and uh, had to do something he didn't want to do, which ultimately could be the death of his career but he just sacrificed you know his kid's safety for hours while he went off and got drunk he did. I, I, I think and she stepped in and took care of it i yeah i was i was all on board with her decision there i do feel bad for him because i know that he really doesn't have a, too much of a choice but i think for as far as what she knows she's fine with what, well, fine with what she did it was totally irresponsible what he did and everything like that. Um, but the thing is, like, he didn't, like, yeah, he he disgraced himself and he was in a tough place with Frank and everything like that. And Frank was continuing to wield that over him. But he still had Christina and he still had his kids. Like, he had good things going on in his life. You know what right. I mean? He so he wasn't, to, he didn't have to go do that. that. Right. And so he kind of, you know, screwed up the last, I mean, he basically fucks up the last couple good things left in his life at that point in time when, like, he should have held on to that a little bit tighter, you know? Right. Like and it's she true. said. She said, like, you know, she's like, is it, I'm sorry, it's about the, the, I didn't testify. She's like, forget, F that, like, your kids are here, come on. Like, yeah, that, I mean, forget the politics about it. Just, you, I mean, on a fundamental level, you have to be a father. Right. And so, but I mean, I understand he's stuck in between this rock and hard place where he can't tell her about Frank because of the hookers and he isn't like he loves her and doesn't want to, so... Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to rebound in any way next episode. How he's gonna if he's gonna try to win her back or. or I feel like or... he'll come clean with her a lot sooner than we think. Yeah. And so I think at this point he has nothing to lose. They're already broken right. up. So. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> in the meantime, Bob and Frank. So Bob Birch, the Speaker of the House, we see Frank basically. Telling Bob that David, the majority leader, is making a play. So we see him actually... Did you expect him to actually tell... Like, this angle of this plan I didn't foresee. I thought he was really going to try to do the hostile takeover with David and Womack and push Birch out. But what he ends up doing here is he tells David... Or he tells Bob that David's making a play and basically offers Bob a concession where they push out David, they make Womack majority leader, and they push the education bill through. Right. It all and, comes back down to the education bill. Which is what his ultimate goal is in the first place. And Bob agrees to it. And they take down David. And David tries to pin it on Frank. But just like he said, Bob doesn't agree with him. because, Or doesn't believe him. Because Frank came clean with him first. And that was one step ahead of this of David. And... You know, basically, David's going to have to resign, or not resign, but step down from majority leadership or whatever. Womack's going to take it, and that's what he gets for being a member of the herd. And, you know, Frank even says it, and just think he could have been a wolf. Mm-hmm. So that's what you get for crossing Frank. And, you know, Frank, I feel like, you know, as much as he was pissed off at Bob, he respected Bob for being strong-willed. Right. 
Whereas David calls. David, yeah, for being a wolf, but he he didn't he. That's why David had to go down. Is because he was just a member. He of the herd. It's weird to me that these people are so easy to take down, even though they've been in in this game for you know decades. That might be a little unrealistic. I mean, could you see? I don't know, Boehner getting. Well, I guess Banner maybe Cantor like, being taken down taken by down, Banner. Yeah. It just seems like Frank is so much more savvy than any of his political opponent. I mean, I, I we, find that hard to believe a little bit. They, I mean, these guys are savvy at the, at this point. To, well, right. Realistically, they they would be. They, they you know they would catch on to what how they're being played against each other. Possibly, you would think. Or is Frank just, no no one's ever tried this before and he's doing it so masterfully and everyone's just blindsided. I I find that hard to believe. I I mean, part of watching a TV show is suspending belief um, or disbelief. So I I get that. But these are politicians. They're not that dumb. He needs an equal of some kind. He needs some sort of nemesis. Right. I mean. I agree. That, yeah, that can... um, balance out his ego a little bit and i mean we need to see him face some obstacles for us to even like him more again it's you know it, right i think that's part of why we're not liking him as much as not just because he's get, like he's so uncompromising but also because he hasn't had it rough yet so we haven't really felt for him at all you know right the only thing that was rough was getting passed over in like the first five minutes for secretary of state and that was it that was it and that wasn't even that big of a deal really because he ended up getting a puppet for secretary of state anyway right and so, okay, let's talk about the Zoe plot line here. Zoe tells Tom that she changed her mind because Frank said, obviously, that she, he, well, she doesn't tell him that, but she doesn't want to take the job because she wants Frank's story still. And Tom comes right out and calls her a cunt. See you in next Tuesday. Did you just say it? I'm going to have to I did. that probably. Uh, sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was quoting Ugh. the episode. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, but Tom really goes for it there. Um, that I mean, that's how we really felt, obviously. But good lord, that is such a lawsuit right there. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I mean, okay, like he had a right to be pissed, but there was no reason to take it to that level so quickly. I mean, no way. I mean, she was like very arrogant, but she was never like right. A lot uh, of the stuff he said initially in that that you know, pair or that diatribe he went on was accurate in the first half. She is. And acts entitled and arrogant and cocky, and yep. cocky. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's for sure. But the the, the further he went uh, into that speech, the darker, deeper, and really disturbing and offensive it got. You know, I understand him being pissed that she was acting all entitled and getting so much attention and stuff, but she was bringing more attention to the newspaper. They had broken a number of stories before anybody else. You think, to some degree, he would have been happy about that? That's what that. The owner of the paper was happy about. Right. And it's not like I mean, it's not like he would have been writing the stories otherwise. Do you think or, he yeah. was unre uh, like was it unrealistic how angry he was with her? I kind of feel. I get kind of feel she's I, a snotty brat, but to call her that. Yeah, but it's like it's not like it's actually hurting him at all. You know, I he took it weirdly personally. I feel like which I don't You're think right. that, that was realistic because I think that there would have been more advantages to it for him, even if she was a snotty brat. It's I mean, I would say like Janine. It makes sense that she's pissed, obviously, because she's getting pushed out of the reporter place and everything. But for Tom, he's the editor. It's a different position. It's a different yeah, and like. She's not going to be his subordinate completely anymore, but she's bringing in big stories that are getting them on the front page and in the TV and stuff. He could go do TV interviews too if he wanted to, and the newspaper would continue to get 
be scooping stories from any of the other news outlets out there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he, it was a little too much. Right. So Zoe, pissed and kind of unbound at this point, we see her at a bar um, down in drinks, and she calls Frank and tells him that he should come over to her apartment where she is waiting. It looks like she came home and basically she put on put a dress on, put some heels on, and took her ponytail out. Yep, she kind of got all sexied up for him. And we had a little cut. Frank kind of looks so disgust at her house, by the way, when he kind of comes in. That was funny. At the front door. And that was great. Do your parents know you live like this? Do you have a man who cares for you? Older men hurt you and then discard you. And then she says, you can't hurt me. And then he says, take your heels off. And she's that much short, like significantly shorter than him. And it's like, just another power play. Um... Well, how do you feel about this? Because obviously you'd voiced multiple times before that this is not where you wanted this to go. No, it's just it just feels so unearned. A few flirty text messages last episode, was it? And now we're already here. Is it... The only thing I could really... The only way I could really rationalize this type of a... Or this type of a response from Frank is he was pissed at um, Claire with Adam. I yeah. guess. I, otherwise, this doesn't this this sexual relationship between the two does not make sense to me at all. Why does he need to do that? I get why she kind of wants to do it because it's a power thing, but he doesn't need this. It seems weird and, and unearned. I don't I don't get their relationship that way. I agree with that too because um, it, the only way it would make sense is if it was some sort of like yeah some sort retaliation. of retaliation retaliate because. Clearly, Claire is the one who is his equal. And also, it's not like he has an ugly wife, but he means right. Robin Wright is a beautiful <laughs> woman. Um, and so, it, it just says, I mean, maybe he likes the dynamic there where he feels like he's kind of dominating Zoe a little bit more. Or he like he has that position of power over her, whereas Claire pushes back um, more. I mean, that could be part of it, too, I guess. But I agree with you that it doesn't... I don't feel like this this, relationship makes sense yet. This all happens right after he asks Claire, when they were smoking, remember, like, you know, where are you staying tonight? Like, thinking that she might be continuing on the the affair. And she says, here with you. So, I mean, she made it clear that, you know, she was there for him. And he goes... I thought they had a moment there. I thought they had a moment there. Like, he was waiting up for her. And then they had an intimate moment. And... Yeah. I, I don't know. I agree with you. I'm maybe not it's because here's another here's another possible reason. Because this was hinted at as well, and I thought they did this very tastefully. And also, it wasn't over when when it wasn't too overt. Um, when they have their guests over and they want the woman to have the the to buy tables at the gala the the gala, and uh, when. Claire goes to the fridge and pauses in the fridge for a moment and the woman walks in and they all have this kind of subtext of, of menopause. Menopause. I, I skipped over that part, but I did write it down too. You're right. So maybe she's going through menopause uh, and doesn't want to have sex with Frank and that's why he goes to her. I don't know. That's another possibility. Maybe, it's but all it, Claire's fault. I, may, I, I, yeah, but it seems far less for Frank about the actual sex itself. He seems to... He's fine without sex, it seems like. He, he seems too egotistical for the, like too much about himself for it to be about someone else that much. It seems more about the power dynamic 
or right. the power dynamic in two ways him being dominant over zoe and being pissed at claire for a kind of pushing back against him and b kind of having the thing with adam yep so we'll have to see how that relationship evolves obviously the credits roll right there um I hope it does not become. I don't know. A I hope that doesn't. Yeah, I hope there's not more to it than that, really, because I'm not a big fan of that storyline. Me neither. We need to. I. I, I don't know. I. I I'll just. I, do you want to give me give my rating? Well, I was just gonna say one more thing, real quick. I really hope that doesn't come down to Zoe being the one to take Frank down and stuff like their nemesis's nemesis. Mm. I don't know, because I am not a big fan of Zoe either. Yeah, I would much she... rather it be Rousseau, or even, I mean, if if this really breaks up their marriage, or Claire, I guess. Yeah, but as I, far as Claire, I think it's a more equal. Right. I think Claire is a more believable equal, and Rousseau's a more endearing character. Zoe, I just don't like right now. I, mean, I don't well, like her I, either. I just want to ask, I was going to say, what are your feelings better? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like Zoe. I, if I had to rank all these characters, I would put Zoe at the bottom. Frank, I would put it second toward the bottom. I at least this episode. This, least ep- this episode. this episode, yes, this episode. Then Claire is number two, and then the most um, sy- sympathetic characters by far Russo in this one. I Main agree. character, I, I guess you could say. But yeah, I, I, hope, I hope we get some more uh, exposition on Zoe as a person, so I may find something to connect with her about, to her about, because it, as of this point, she's pretty awful. I agree. I agree. So, okay, go ahead and give me a rating, then. What do you think of this episode? Three and a half out of five is what I give this one. Just because I feel our our, our wheels were spinning with Frank in this episode. He shuffles the cards a little bit, but that's nothing we didn't already know that he could do. Um, I'll, I, and we don't get into any more about him and why what his endgame is with this plan and any more background info or, or or just emotional moments that I can connect with him through all these choices and decisions he's making. He seems fairly ruthless in this, forcing his wife to, you know, give up something that she, you know, dearly wants. And then also t- totally screwing over his, you know, subordinate um, congressman, uh, Russo, because he has the power over him and it will benefit him. And then Zoe... I mean, even though she didn't, he, I don't like her in any other world. This like that job is amazing for a young journalist, and she has to give that up, and that just kind of sucks. So, I didn't like Frank. I didn't like Zoe. Claire was a little better for me because I got to see something interesting about her, and then Rousseau was, I think, the the, be- the best storyline of this episode. I agree. I really liked the Rousseau storyline. I I did like the Claire storyline and the dynamic, like seeing some tension between her and Frank this episode a little bit more. I like. I think it was like cool to see like how Frank manipulated everybody. Like it was very well written how he turned the tables and kind of even surprised us at the end by actually keeping Bob on his side and getting having David be the one to take the fall. But we've kind of seen that from Frank again and again and again, like you've said. And it, I'd like to see something new from Frank now. So for like, I would say if we were like giving positive negative charges almost to these storylines, I would say Russo and Claire on the positive end, David or the one with Frank was kind of you know a neutral in the middle. middle. Yeah, it was in the middle, and the Zoe one I don't like at all. I don't like where that I don't like where that plotline's going. I don't like her character. I don't like the fact that she's having an affair with Frank. Just don't like it. Do you think she'll go 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 back to the the Herald? No. I think, but that then she's that, then to... we just lose the main character, or what? Not the main character, but the um, Janine girl, who's kind of a 
fairly known well actress it'd be kind of weird that we never got to know janine at all and she seemed like she would could provide an interesting dynamic with um zoe and that's it that's it that's all we knew about the herald well it's over maybe tom well maybe tom gets maybe tom gets fired uh that's just a possibility i mean margaret seems seems to be on zoe's side right and then janine becomes editor maybe Ooh. Or the guy with the glasses. One of them, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Anyway, it's pop. Yeah. Some some predictions. So I also give it three three point five. You know what kind of sucks about watching this on Netflix? We don't get like a twenty or thirty second teaser for next week. <laughs> I know that would be kind of nice to see because we can't really speculate or talk about what we think is going to happen because we really have no hints. We just kind of like we do. I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this happens. I mean, it's really yeah. We're just pulling stuff out of our ass on this, but I mean, truly, who knows? Yes. I, some of our, well, some of the stuff we predicted has come into fruition. So, right. Anyway, um, well, I'm excited to see what happens in the next episode. Uh, thank you all for listening once again. As always, you can email us with questions or comments at this Ameri- or uh, <clears throat> this House of Cards at gmail.com. This House of Cards podcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at This House of Cards podcast. And as always, you can rate us, review us, critique us, do whatever you want at iTunes. We really appreciate that. This House of Cards podcast. Um, once again, thank you for listening. Uh, where Chris, can, where can people me? listen to uh, more of your stuff this week? Uh, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me at, uh, at Chris Husted, K-R-I-S-H-U-S-T-E-D. What about you, Tyler? And you can find me on Twitter at TJ Mossel. All right, everybody. Cool. Thanks for listening. Bye. I don't want to be your friend. I just want to be your